Hi, this is Dr. B, and the topic we're going to discuss today is uh, what is opiate withdrawal like, and what is the timeline of the symptoms? Uh, great question, pretty straightforward, easy to answer with some minor nuances. Let me get right into it. Before you actually can answer a question like that, please understand the devil is in the details. And the details are this. How old are you? What is your sex? What is your general physiological or pathophysiological health? What other diseases you have? And more specifically, what is the substance or substances that you're using, both in terms of the particular opiates and any additional substance? What is your route of administration, whether you're using intravenous, intranasal, smoking it? Is it heroin? Is it methadone? Is it pills? And finally, how often and how long have you been using it? Uh, a clinician really needs to look at all of that. And really, if you're uh, looking at this and trying to answer the question and figure out what is this patient going to go through, you need to look at their psychosocial history as well. Uh, even though I'm a medical doctor, I'm an MD, I'm not a psychologist, but you need to understand these things to be able to address the uh, patient or client's needs. For example, a guy who's been using poly substances and started using heroin intravenously at 14, now he's 40 years old, he's homeless, he has had a long prison record, even though that's not in the DSM anymore. Uh, he has consistently and over time made many bad decisions, and so there's just this propensity for addiction from a psychological sense he's going to have a harder time versus someone that's just been using heroin for a few weeks or a few months and you just want to get him off and you want to answer the question, how long is his withdrawal going to last in the short or long term? So A, keep that in the background. There's two ways to, there's two clinical thoughts uh, that should be addressed when asking the question, how long are my withdrawals going to last? There are short-term acute withdrawals, okay? And they call this um, opiate abstinence syndrome, okay? That's sort of the clinical term they use. Opiate abstinence syndrome. Those are the short-term withdrawals that you're addressing. And then there's the long-term withdrawals uh, that you are also addressing. And those are sort of protracted opiate withdrawal syndrome. It's two timelines and two sort of separate entities, kind of, that you're discussing, short-term, long-term, okay? Now, having to uh, uh, talk about those, when you talk about pharmacotherapy, for example, let's say Suboxone, Methadone, whatever you're talking about, the pharmacotherapy that you use should address both issues, and they do, and that's how the clinical paradigm looks at it. When you're using a medication, uh, a serious medication besides the short-term ones for, that you might want to use to deal with withdrawals, which you really shouldn't have to use nowadays anymore because there is methadone, there is suboxone. Those pharmacotherapies, medication-assisted treatment, address both the short-term issue and the long-term issue. Most relapses or many relapses, or it can be said that relapses occur not just because somebody craves the drug, which is a different phenomena than suffering from either the acute or the protracted withdrawal syndromes. So these are very important concepts. 
not only for understanding what the patient is going to go through, but also to be able to understand what causes relapse and also how to tailor your pharmacotherapy to prevent or minimize the risk of relapse. Let's start with uh, short-term, okay, acute withdrawal syndromes, uh, uh, which is what it's generally called, okay. Uh, these are pretty simple. You all know them. One of them is uh, gastrointestinal distress, and I won't go through the pharmacology, pharmacotherapy, or physiology of this stuff, but uh, this goes from anything from abdominal cramping to nausea to vomiting to diarrhea, or it could be all of the above. Thermal regulation, that's another one. Thermal regulation disturbances, okay? Hotness, coldness, okay? And in fact, you'll see sweating, which you can put under uh, thermal regulation. That's one thing, uh, another thing that you have in the short-term acute withdrawal syndrome. Insomnia, difficulty to sleep, or uh, an insult on your normal sleeping patterns and disturbances of you being able to fall asleep. However you want to put it, they're going to have difficulty falling asleep. Joint and muscle pain, okay? Uh, dysphoria, what is dysphoria? Euphoria, okay? Euphoria is generally feeling good or elevated or happy. You know, you could say cocaine or a heroin, either one. Uh, they cause some sort of euphoria. Dysphoria is a very uncomfortable sense of reality and how you perceive it and how you look at it. It's not quite a distortion of reality where you could say you're seeing things or hearing things. It's just more like uh, your mood disposition towards reality, dysphoria, right? Whereas you have a good mood towards reality and you have a bad mood or you have a dysphoric mood, which is just a very uncomfortable perception of your world around you. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, restlessness, uh, anxiety, okay? These are all some of the short-term Symptoms, I didn't talk about changes in pupil because that's not a symptom, that's a sign. These are some of the short-term symptoms that patients suffer in acute withdrawal syndrome. And the obvious next question is, how long does the acute withdrawal syndrome last? When does it start? When does it end? And that answer, again, is varied. I don't want to get into the discussion of Buprenorphine causes is much more difficult withdrawal. By the way, all studies have shown that's not the case. You know, methadone this long, oxys that long. I don't want to talk about this and that, which is worse because the data is clear on those and there's going to be disagreements by the patient population. What I will say is this. Somewhere between six hours and three to five, six days are your withdrawal symptoms acutely Again, depending on the substance that you're using, the particular opiate, the route of administration, how long have you been using it, how often have you been using it, and I'm going to throw one more in there that the other textbooks, and you know, your general metabolic position uh, in your body, meaning how healthy are you, okay, your basic uh, basal metabolic rate, let's just say that. How healthy are you? And all of these sort of affect how long this acute withdrawal uh, syndrome lasts. Obviously, it seems intuitive, but data also shows this as well, that depending on how bad your uh, withdrawal sim uh, symptoms are, uh, this acute withdrawal syndrome, and how long you've been using in general, you have a higher propensity to relapse while you're going through this 
versus simply craving for the medication. As you hear addicts often say, users often say, you know, after a while I was just doing the drug to remain well so I don't get sick. That's what they mean by that. They're not getting that euphoria anymore. They're not getting that pleasurable enjoyment where they comfortably live in the world. They're just taking the medication so they do not get sick. That's the acute part, okay? Now, let's talk about uh, the protracted withdrawal syndrome, okay? Uh, when does that start or how long can, does that last, okay? Um, the protracted the withdrawal syndrome actually, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say a number, okay? Some studies will talk about six months. Some have shown much longer. There's been some decent studies. It's very difficult to say, but uh, let's say, uh, I'm going to say uh, six months to a year at least, but again, take that with a grain of salt, but it can la uh, last quite a long time, okay? And this protracted syndrome, um, they've also shown that some of the symptoms you have during this time is very highly associated with potential relapse because it's also a very uncomfortable phase to be in, although you see the person walking around and doing their regular thing, okay? Uh, in fact, one researcher, he did a paper, and I don't recall his name, he argued uh, uh, it's actually the psychological factors that lead to physiological relapse. And the reason he said that is in the protracted syndrome, we can actually measure measure physiological parameters that have changed in addition to the acute withdrawal syndrome. These could be temperature, sleep disturbances, respiratory rate, uh, basic metabolic rate, blood pressure, even EKG changes. And once he argued that once these normalize, the person has a smaller potential of relapse and therefore psychological factors are nothing more than a trigger to cause the physiological needs to be addressed. I disagree with that. I think it's much more complex than that. And the two uh, worlds of the physical versus psychological actually mesh in. But uh, I would have to say that uh, I disagree with that. But in any case, the issue here is the fact that there's this protracted withdrawal syndrome. Okay. And it's after the acute withdrawal syndrome. Uh, there's actually physiological changes that could be measured once you're in this state, okay? And these last, you know, I'm going to say, I'm just going to leave it at this because my position is that at some point, those long-term withdrawal symptoms kind of mesh in with the baseline physiological state that caused the addiction in the first place. For example, if your original issue was that you had an altered dopamine level, if you also had mental health issues, not necessarily diagnoses, but issues and concerns, I'm gonna use this term at a risk. If you had some existential angst or sadness about the world that caused you to use opiates, I don't care however you want to put this, whether if you want to say you had a genetic predisposition, you had an altered uh, dopamine level in your body, uh, whatever it is, I'm going to say that when we talk about the psychological factors that cause a relapse, once you get a person to 
physiological parameters that can be measured in terms of baseline, you still haven't gotten rid of their original issue. So are they still in some sort of withdrawal because those original issues that caused the use in the very first place are back in place? I think that's a great sort of abstract question that needs to be addressed and clinicians need to think about that when, when they're getting people to a place where they need to be so they don't use again. That's basically it. And the pharmacotherapy that you talk about should address both of these issues, the acute withdrawal syndrome and the chronic withdrawal or prolonged withdrawal syndrome. And I think things like methadone and suboxone or buprenorphine address these issues and they're meant to do that. That's why they're called medication-assisted treatment. And once you address both of these, you are going to decrease the chance of relapse and you will have the opportunity for the patient to re-engage in their world, re-engage in their life and consider tapering off of those medications at a later date. The issue, simply put, there's an acute phase, there's a chronic longer protracted phase. It depends on what, what drug you're using, the route of administration, how long you've been using it, and your other factors, including other substances of abuse and your general health condition. The short phase, again, depending on all of the things I just said, plus uh, uh, just those things uh, can be any, you know, last for up to five, six, seven, eight days. The chronic withdrawal phase lasts at least six months. And I say that very, very, very much with the thought that please take that with a grain of salt. One fundamental thought, one uh, general fundamental thought I want everyone to take away is that please understand uh, one of the reasons I back off from saying three days, five days, or six months, that these things are very, very much dependent on those factors that I laid out in the beginning. Your age, your sex, how long have you been using? What are you using? What is the frequency of use? What is the route of administration? And then the clinician really needs to put you and couch you in your environment and get a sense of your recovery and success given those factors because any of those stressors from the withdrawal syndromes will cause a relapse, whether you want to call them psychological or physiological. Number two, I, uh, you know, this may be for some other clinicians and some, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to discuss it here. It's a discussion of controversy. I mitigate most of those issues because pretty much most of my patients are on buprenorphine-type products or medication-assisted treatment, and that's exactly why they're on them. Does this mean they don't relapse? They do, which tells you how complex and varied the reasons for relapse and addiction are. But for me, these issues for many patients are a lot lighter load than if you weren't to be on medication-assisted treatment. And when that issue is addressed, I still have problems, which really tells you how complex this uh, disease model is. Look, I always hate doing this part, so I'm gonna say it my own way. They keep asking me to do something, but I am me. If you wanna see more videos, click somewhere on here, okay? And there's supposed to be some sort of a bell you're supposed to push. I have all kinds of ed educational content videos. We're a nonprofit endeavor. I want you to watch those. In addition, 
If you want to make a comment or if you would like us to do any kind of video, please put the comments below. If you have any thoughts on what we just did, please put them in the comments below. We do our best that we can to respond and reply to you. I have a busy schedule. Some of these comments I forget to respond to or I don't see. I apologize for that. Thank you very much. Have a great day.